Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, St. Paul, talking to the Corinthians, he said, You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. The four men that we saw today, the four men that carry this paralytic man, are a testament to God's word being ministered on their hearts. God's word was ministered on their hearts and they were able to minister to everyone else by their actions. And that heart was a ministry. So the question is today, how can we serve like these four men served? How can we have the God written on our hearts? Today we read the account of the paralytic man. It started with, again, he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word of, to them. Now when Jesus goes around um, to houses, he gives messages of hope and joy. Christ, finds, Christ first starts with hope. He wants to spend... He wants us to spend our lives with him. So he doesn't waste time in the house just mucking around. He's not obsessed with the crowds. By this point, he'd become quite famous. Um, In the previous chapter, in Mark chapter 1, it talks about how he had already been healing people. He'd gone in the synagogues. He was teaching. He'd cast out demons. He he had um, healed people from their infirmities. So that's why the house was so popular. Um, But what Jesus wanted to do was give a message. Now, think about these four men who also wanted to see Jesus. Think about these four men and what they were doing. Now, Jesus was quite famous, but these four men chose to give up their time and instead of going to see Jesus on their own, they chose to take a mate. Now, if you're friends um, with a paralytic man, in that time, you'd probably be uh, under some rebuke. You know, people would be asking, you know, why is this guy going and associating himself with a paralytic man? You know, this, this person probably wasn't too popular. And so these people are really going out of the way. And I think that um, perhaps... Um, If we put ourselves into the mind, let's think about as if we were these four men. Think about it. Perhaps he's one of your close mates, this paralytic man, and he's involved maybe in some sort of an accident. And while he was on the job, maybe something happened to him. But he's still their friend, and they look after him, and they feel sorry for him, and they wish that that thing never happened to him. So they find out that Jesus had been healing, and they go back to Capernaum, and he's at the house. And they can go and see at the house with him. And they can call their friends, but they decide to go with him. So they take his friend and they decide to make sure that he gets made well. They carry him for many meters through the crowds, pushing through. 
and they come in and there's absolutely no way in at the door. So they turn to their friend and say, friend, what do we do? We've walked all this way, but there's no way in. But the friend, the paralytic man, is adamant. He's adamant to see Christ. It's almost like the faith of the, of the friends and the man have rubbed off on each other. And they motivate each other saying, there must be a way. One of them suggests almost like a joke, why don't we go up to the roof? So they go up to the roof and they do it. But they make such a scene. They start to take the rubble away from the roof. Um, you can imagine maybe the owner of the house starts turning them off. And they climb up. And people are shaking their heads at them. And we get our friends up on the roof. And they start pulling away the dirt and the rubble. They pull away the tiles. And they've probably already at this stage already made such a big scene. They start lowering their friend into the scene. And they float, lower their friend in, ton, in front of Jesus. These people are tunnel visioned. They only want to see Jesus. They only want their friend to see Jesus. They only want to see him get healed. The friends of this man really are heroes. They only had one job to do that day. The faith is what leads Matthew, Mark and Luke to write. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes sitting around, on the other hand, they start reasoning in their hearts. They question, why does Jesus say these things? They think that Jesus is making blasphemies. And all the while, the four men and the paralytic don't utter a single word. They didn't turn around and say, wait for a second, Jesus. Did you just say sins are forgiven? We just walked all this way. We went through all this effort. And the only thing you have to say to the paralytic man is sins are forgiven? Where's the healing? What, what, what are you talking about sins? Why are you talking about that for? We just risked even our livelihood. We broke this guy's house. He's probably going to take us to court. He's going to tell us off. He's going to ask us for money. But you're sitting here telling him sins are forgiven? Isn't that a bit odd? They didn't say that. And you know what? If they said that, we'd probably forgive them for it because they went through such an effort. St. John Chrysostom, he says, look at the faith of this man. He wasn't indignant when he was given the words of life, son, your sins are forgiven you. He didn't complain about the treatment he was given, but he let the physician apply his healing. You know, sometimes we go to a doctor and um, we think we know what we want. We're adamant. We know what's wrong. We go to the doctor and we're like, you know, I've Googled this, I've asked my hairdresser, I've asked my mate, I know exactly what's wrong with me, I want four courses of antibiotics right now. We, we think we know exactly what we need. And the doctor just looks at us and, you know, of course, doesn't really take that into account. They still need to do their job. So the doctor diagnoses, he assesses, and then he gives the medication. And that's their job. Now this man, he had a similar attitude. This man went in humbly and he let the physician do his job. He let the physician give him the cure. The cure wasn't what everyone was expecting, but the cure was healing. Jesus was the one with the cure. Jesus is the doctor and we're the patients. The man remained in a humble state. He accepted the treatment, but the scribes could only think that they knew better. And Jesus really did show them. As we continue, Jesus says to them, 
What's easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. So how can we have the faith of this paralytic man and the love of his friends to serve despite the intense struggle put up against them? How can I give God my time even when I feel I have so little to give? Or I don't feel like I can give it. There's a book by Father Matthew the Poor called If You Love Me. And one of the chapters is called The Essence of Christian Service. And he has four key points about the characteristics we need to serve others. The first point to serve others is that we need a living faith. A living faith is a faith that just doesn't believe that God rose from the dead, but a faith that believes that Christ raised me from the dead, that Christ can raise me every single day, that I can live each day new, that like St. Anthony says every day when he used to wake up, wake up and say, today is a new day, I live today anew. And like St. Paul says, I can be resurrected daily, I can die daily, I can die daily with Christ and I can resurrect every day. So that we need to have this living faith. Definitely these four men had that living faith. And they had it in their hearts. The second thing that Father Matthew talks about is the mystery of Christ. Sounds a bit mysterious. It's not really mysterious. We're talking about the Holy Communion. We're talking about confession. It is a mystery of the church. We can't obviously fully understand what's going on. But we understand, like it says there, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. It's a mysterious thing that happens when we have communion. That God is enfleshed in us. That we're enfleshed in him. That we abide in him. So we must do this as frequently as we can. We must have communion. We must confess. And definitely these men were like that. They were communing with Christ. Love. The third thing is love. Christian love isn't a limited love. Christian love is an unlimited love. It's unbounded. It's agape love. These men had that agape love. They had the unbounded love to go out of their way to serve their mate. And they endured great pain, but they got great joy. In 1 Corinthians 13.3 it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So love is the essential part of the service. And the fourth and the last thing is the power of prayer. Father Matthew says in this chapter, he says, The power of prayer forms a mystical link between the servant and the one served, since it creates a union of their hearts and minds. Now I'm certain that these four men were praying for their mate every single day. I'm certain of that. Because when the time came that they could go and enjoy Jesus and go and see what he was doing and go and see his miracles and cool healings and teachings on their own and it's almost like, you know, you can wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to church, I'm going to church on my own, I'm going to go, you're doing a good thing. It's not like they were going to go to a club, nightclub or something and go dancing and partying. They were going to meet Jesus. So you could have, you know, excused them, they're going to see Jesus. But no, they thought more than themselves. They thought to go and take 
um, their friend with them. It's almost like that story, um, everyone knows the story of Saint Peshoy, who um, he lived in a monastery in a, com- in a community with other monks, and uh, they, they used to ask him and say, hey, how can we see Jesus? Because Jesus used to come and appear to him. And Saint Peshoy said, he's going to actually appear on the top of this mountain. So all the monks got up really early in the morning, they all hurried, and they're all running and running, and going towards the top of this mountain, and on the way, there's this man that's really old, really decrepit, and they just look at him, and they're like, ah, you know what, I'd rather go see Jesus. He's up on the mountain. This guy's too slow. He's going to slow us down. We're not going to make it there in time. So everyone, all these monks, they run past. They keep going. They keep going. And St. Beshoy comes, and he sees, this, he sees this man, and instead, he doesn't just leave him on the side, but he picks him up. He carries him on his back. And as he's walking up the mountain, he's getting heavier, heavier. And then he looks and he realizes that that's Christ. He was carrying Christ on his shoulders. And all the monks that went up to the top of the mountain, they thought they were going to see Christ, but they didn't. Jesus says, when you serve my little children, when you serve the least of my community, when you serve the people in prisons, in dungeons, in dangers, in tribulation, then you're serving me. That's what St. Beshoi did. And that's what these men did. And for that, Jesus did appear to them. Jesus appeared to them personally. You know when Jesus gives them a look and he says, because of the faith of these men, I'm going to heal this man. Your sins are forgiven. That's a big thing. And this would have stayed with them for the rest of their life. That service they did was a ministry and it lived with them. These men sacrificed their own desire and they really got rewarded for that. And of course, it's not mandatory that we get the reward. It's not mandatory that we live on earth and we get the reward all the time. That, you know, God gives us something today um, that we have to have. We don't sit here asking for the reward. We sit here serving Christ because that's what Christ asked us to do. We're his loyal servants and we do our duty. And if God chooses to give us a reward, so be it. But if He doesn't, our reward is in heaven anyway. And we can see at the end of this gospel, immediately He arose, took up His bed, and He went out of the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. In the Pauline today, it said that there's an inscription on their hearts and it ministers to all. You can see because of what happened, there was a ministry to all. Everyone in that house was amazed. Probably even the Pharisees and the scribes. We can share in the joy of Christ when we share in His cross. We can share in the cross of Christ when we share in the struggling in love with our friends and our strangers. And also even our enemies. When we struggle to love, that leads to repentance. And that repentance is followed by joy. True joy, heavenly joy. That's the true reward, to have joy in our hearts. In Luke 15, 7, it says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And St. James, he says, My brethren, count all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, 
lacking nothing. So may God guide us all to continue to give to Him, to live our hearts openly as a scripture to all people, to serve Him, to love Him with as much as we can offer, and to experience the joy that He gives to His children. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.